When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good Tuesday morning, Birds fans. Happy New Year to our Birds 365 fam. First chance we've had to say uh, welcome to 2023 here on Birds 365. You got your Mac and Mac guys, Jody McDonald, John McMullen. Uh, Hopefully your New Year's was a good one. And your day was not great. And that's what we will be talking about the majority of the time here on Birds 365 today. Uh, but for those who uh, get to bed early and get up early and check in on Birds 365, uh, you would have to go to bed pretty early last night to know what, uh, not know what transpired in the National Football League. In a game between the Bengals and the Bills last night, late first quarter, uh, DeMar Hanlon, safety for the Bills, tackled T. Higgins on a uh, 10-, 12-yard pass play. Good, solid hit to bring Higgins down. Not a bone-crushing uh, hit. He came up after making the tackle and fell back down to the ground. Uh, medical personnel were rushed onto the field. He needed to be uh, resuscitated on the field and had uh, work done on him. They went to the ambulance to get him off the field, and it was just a, uh, a chilling couple of minutes on the field in Cincinnati 
Um, as a matter of fact, I was not watching at the time. I was watching the Sixers. And through the miracle of social media, you get a text, you get a tweet. Watch, if you ever see anything like that on the field, I turned over and, and saw what transpired thereafter. But it was a very uh, just eye-opening and heart-wrenching minute uh, to watch uh, what transpired in Cincinnati last night. Johnny Mac, were you tuned at the time? How did you find out about it? Um, what, how did you get the news that uh, we had a tragedy unfolding in Cincinnati? Uh, same way as you, Jody. Uh, social media world. I was watching, I think I was watching Raw at the time. I was flipping back and forth um, Monday Night Raw. I was flipping back and forth between that and the game. And I was on... Uh, I was on the different station and I saw, and I, and I quickly pulled back uh, to the game and, and didn't see the hit live. Uh, or did I? I replayed it, replayed it a number of times. Yeah. It didn't look like an out of the ordinary hit. I mean, you'll see that hit uh, hundreds of times the, when they do resume the season. Um and then all of a sudden, yeah, just a scary moment uh, comes up to his feet, uh, seemed fine, all of a sudden just collapsed. Um, yeah, terrible. You know, it was interesting, uh, you know, uh, the first thing I thought of, maybe because I was watching, and you're a wrestling guy, um, now Jerry Lawler was, um, you know, a much older man. He was an announcer. He had a heart attack live on Raw, cardiac event for people who don't know. I said the one silver lining to it is if, you know, there were medical people there immediately that saved his life. And Jerry talks about it to this day. Um, that's the silver lining here. There were medical people right on the field, CPR, resuscitation. And right now, uh, DeMar's in critical condition, hopefully he pulls through this. But, it, you know, that's the silver lining. The help was there immediately. But it was just such a... A, a terrible situation. And then you saw the good and the bad of social media because you have all this, you know, terrible, just gauging the announcers and, and, you know, are they doing the proper job and the immediacy? And I'm like, worry about the kid, worry about right. the kid. And it's such a difficult situation. Nobody's expecting to deal with that uh, in that type of situation. That's part of the bad. You had, people jump into conclusions with no information. Um, the, the, the narrative that the league wanted to start the game in five minutes. I don't, I don't know it, that to me, Jody is, is what's wrong with, with social media. Everybody's afraid to say, I don't know. I know Troy Vincent denied it on a conference call later that night. I was talking to sort of a logistics guy who handles a bunch of stuff for the NFL. I was texting him. He he was explaining the situation. Think about it this way, Jody. If you cancel the game immediately, and by immediately I say 10 or 15 minutes, you got 70,000 people headed to their cars. They're not thinking. You got to get ambulances out. You got to get people out. You got to get family out. You got to get officials out. There's logistics to this type of thing. So that story's got to be fleshed out a little bit. Um, like I don't think Troy is lying because that would be a weird thing to lie about. So who who came up with that five-minute narrative? Is that bad reporting? Is that the official 
making a bad summation. I don't know. But that, to me, is the biggest thing. Everybody's afraid to say, I don't know. Just care about the kid and having this horrible situation. And as far as what caused it, was it the hit? Uh, was it some underlying uh, condition that, that went uh, unnoticed for years? I don't know. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be uh, illegal to say, I don't know. I don't have that information. Hopefully we'll get that information. The good news is they were able to resuscitate him. Hopefully, hopefully things go in a positive direction, but nobody knows right now. And the thing that bothered me and yours truly was on the air. I was supposed to be on after Monday night football on WIP last night. So I got on earlier than I was planning on or was supposed to uh, because of the suspension of the game. Uh, so I got to get some fan reaction last night. And I took a call from a guy who absolutely said, this is one of the problems in our country that that game should have been played, that the NFL should have come <laughs> to an immediate decision that it should have been played. And immediately thereafter, I took more calls and the people were just livid about the foolish stance that the guy took. It's a testament to our country and the shape that our country is in, meaning our country has somehow now gone soft. Uh, so, yeah, the immediate reaction is not always good. And here's uh, what I thought about the way it was handled by the NFL. They got it right. OK, at the end of the day, when you look back at it, they handled the way they the, the correct decision and how to handle it was made. If it took 10 or 12 more minutes than you thought, if it was, and I did see a tweet from a reliable source saying last night that it was the players union that had gotten to the individual players in the locker room and said, we can't go back out there. You're not going back out there. We'll stand by that. <laughs> the players were the ones who made the decision more so than the coaches. And we know that they were uh, communicating with each other on the field, outside the locker room. You saw it on the broadcast that Zach Taylor and uh, Sean McDermott was certainly talking, whether the call came on high from the commissioner's office. However it was determined, they got it right. That's the most important thing. Don't worry about the timing. Don't even worry about who made the decision. The correct decision was made. They had to wait until they found out what kind of shape this young man was in. There's no way to send those players out there with the loss of focus that they would have had. You're just asking for more injuries. Bottom line is get to the end. Did they get it right? Yes, I thought so. Now they've got a big issue to deal with now. How do you restart that game? How do you incorporate that game? It does really need to be played. If not, then how do you figure out the standings thereafter? So the NFL still got work in front of them. But at the end of the day, when they officially said the game was suspended, they got it right as far as I'm concerned, and that way outweighs everything else. Yeah, they did get it right, and it is a combination of the players' union and the league. And it wouldn't be – it wouldn't be. I'm not going to sit here and pretend. I, I say all the time the NFL doesn't care about safety all that much. They care about only the concussion issue for the most part because of, of potential future litigation. I, I talk all – they're scary. We just went through one at Lincoln Financial Field with Josh Sweat. The, the day before, stretchered off. And, and, you know, there was a, I've never seen that place so quiet. There was such a hush when he was leaving uh, the field because everybody was concerned about Josh Sweat. Um, if you go back to uh, CJ Gardner Johnson with the last rated kidney, he said, 
Oh, that was a hit. You know, that, 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 that was, uh, a, a, a you know, a, a little bit of a, a stiff hit certainly, but I thought when he came off the field immediate thing by his reaction, I thought, Oh, CJ got a stinger. Um, you never know when these hits, uh, are going to create these, um, situations now this you got to go and i looked it up it has happened before but you got to go back to the early 70s um member of the lions suffered a heart attack and it was a different time and and they did continue and play the game and that's that's good that we've evolved to the point that uh you know most people uh care more about the kid than than the game and there's there's certain people that are always going to be like you mentioned with your caller, Jody, uh, are going to go down a different route. But yeah, I mean, that, that's the problem with social media in general, right? We go that they're the loudest voices are the most extreme voices and they use any situation. It doesn't have to be football. It doesn't have to be this situation. Uh, to fit their particular narrative, whatever that narrative is. And the concern here should be um, the player uh, and and where he is health-wise. And again, not an indictable offense to say, I don't know, at two minutes after something happens. Not not an indictable offense. And more people should take that uh, take that advice. They really should. And the only update we can give you this morning is, and it's the same as it was late last night, but again, if you went to bed early, um, he did suffer cardiac arrest on the field. He was resuscitated. They got him quickly to the hospital. His vitals were stable. And again, last night on WIP, had an ER doctor call me, John, and he filled in some blanks for me. And I thanked him greatly because he did educate us uh, that that was a key element of good news last night, that yeah. they got his vitals stable they put him to sleep so that he could rest and, and continue to heal. He was intubated, but that's not unusual that you get assist breathing with a cardiac arrest. Um, so he was trending in the right direction. He is still in critical condition. There is no new news as of this morning. Um, the majority of the Buffalo Bills left Cincinnati last night. Several of his teammates did stay uh, to be with him in the hospital. But um, the NFL has made no statement. And I don't know that there's going to be an immediate statement even today as to uh, how that game uh, will be picked up and or played at a future date. And they're running out of dates in the National Football League because the season is coming to an end. And the Philadelphia Eagles were in the same place they were two weeks ago. Only need to win one more game to lock up first place in the NFC East and the number one seed overall in the NFC. They still don't have that after two straight losses. And you mentioned the Josh Sweat hit. It's just unfortunate that they couldn't suspend the Eagles game against the Saints on Sunday because <laughs> uh, they could have dodged a bullet after their loss to uh, New Orleans in which, again, the offense just didn't flat-out show up. Gardner Minshew, play calling, A.J. Brown not running all the way through a route. There's a lot to be discussed about the Eagles just in general, but uh, off Sunday's performance, more specifically about the offense. John and I are going to do that with you. We're going to get a little bit of help. Tommy Lawler from uh, EaglesBlitz.com. Can you jump in with us? Uh, Tommy's been covering the team for years. He goes back to the team that had set the record for most sacks in a season for the Philadelphia Eagles. That would now be your 2022 Philadelphia Eagles with only seven more this past week. 
can't blame pressure from the defensive line to, for the loss to the Saints. Uh, we'll talk uh, Eagles with uh, Tommy Lola next. And then in hour number two, our usual Monday guy, Tuesday this week, because we were off yesterday for the holiday, uh, Chris Franklin's going to jump aboard. So we've got able-bodied assistants to join McMullen and McDonald. <laughs> we appreciate you tuning in with Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. Post-game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post-game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. Did you know taxes could be your biggest expense during retirement? Are most of your assets in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks? Taxes are historically low today, but we're facing significant headwinds in the future. Do you have a plan? The Thrive Financial Team has more than 100 years of experience helping people across the Delaware Valley with forward-looking tax planning. Learn how to shift your money from forever tax to no or low tax accounts. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, and we are uh, lucky enough to be joined by Tommy Lola, longtime Eagles reporter, uh, writing these days for EaglesBlitz.com. Tommy, Happy New Year. Uh, were you watching last night's Monday night football game between the Bengals and the Chiefs uh, when it had to be uh, stopped because of the injury to DeMar Hammond? I had gone into the kitchen to make a sandwich. And I came back out, and all the players were on the field. 
uh, in a circle and I had no idea what was going on. So I started listening and uh, <clears throat> things just got weird from there. Yeah. Scary situation. Um, we went through a scary situation here in Philadelphia the day before that seems much less scary now that uh, you saw what happened in Cincinnati last night. But with Josh Sweat, that was weird, Tommy, to see the hush over Lincoln Financial Field. Um, people forget how <laughs> some people forget how dangerous this sport is. Um, and I don't know how you change that. I mean, I, I it's you can't. just. Yeah, and, Foot, and we football. talk about it all the time with concussion. Yeah, you're right. Football's football, and you can't make it safe. That's always been one of my arguments. I, I think it's disingenuous to kind of legislate safety into the game. I think that's the disingenuous part. It's violent, and that hit wasn't even all that violent. But bad things can happen when you have collisions between very fast and very powerful people. Yeah, I was I was texting with a buddy a couple of weeks back, and I said, you know, if there was ever anything that would make me quit watching football, it's injuries. And not even just like what we saw with Josh Sweat and, and last night with Lamar Hamlin, just all the guys, every pile, you see somebody get up to grab an ankle, a knee, and these guys, their bodies, it's like they're going through 50 car crashes a game. Yeah, And the amount of pain they inflict on each other, they take on themselves. Uh, it's crazy. It really is. Football is just a, an amazing game. I, uh, Bill Curry once talked about, you know, there used to be a saying that football is a, a contact sport. He said, no, no, no. Uh, dancing is a contact sport. Football is a collision sport. And it really is. I mean, it's about violent collisions. And it's what part of what makes it special because as human beings, we're primal, right? We still have some of that stuff in us. Yeah. It goes back to the caveman days. And there's a part of us that enjoys violence when it's in a controlled, appropriate type of setting. And football taps into that. And uh, it allows people to go out and do those things on Sundays and Saturdays and do it in, in a format that's somewhat safe and what have you. But uh, it still is, it's, it's dangerous. And it's, it, there's times when you sit there and you question, you know, should we be watching this? Should these guys be playing this? Well, coming up in a couple of weeks, you'll get a uh, first-hand account of what it would like to be play football without really playing football with the Pro Bowl. They're going to have competitions. They're not going to have an actual game, and we'll see how much everybody likes that. I'm not suggesting it's an opening a door for a change in the NFL, but um, they yeah. are going to try something you a little know, different. It, it is interesting, and we're going to get to the Eagles, I promise, to the listeners. <laughs> but one last thing, Tommy, because you brought that up. You know, I always think about boxing. You know, it's been a real long time. But if you go back to, you know, really Muhammad Ali's era, it was still like the sport. When a big fight happened, it was the thing. And boxing's no longer like that. And for people that say, well, football's so popular, it can never change. Um, do you believe that? Uh, do you believe that uh, it couldn't be affected? Uh, years from now? Oh, I, I, I don't think anything is immune. I think if, if history has taught us anything, uh, it's nothing is ever completely safe. I've got a nephew who's playing JV football. He, he played this past season. And, uh, you know, there were some of his friends who, you know, their parents might not want him to play. My sister was nervous about him playing a little bit because it's one thing to tune on a game and watch, but you know, when it's your child or your your brother, your son, your nephew, whoever, it's out there on that field, and they're 
in those in those piles, it makes a difference. You know, it, it all of a sudden you're like, okay, it, you you get worried every time there's a collision. And in fact, there was one uh, game where a, a young man had an issue, and they they had to bring an ambulance to the uh, to the field to take him away. Now, luckily, he he turned out to be okay. But uh, it gets scary. It's scary stuff, and and all it takes is enough parents saying, you know what, I'm going to let my kid play basketball or soccer or baseball or whatever. And all of a sudden, if, if football doesn't have the best players on the field, you know, who knows what the future is? I, I think it's okay, but never say never. Tommy, a less scary thing, but scary just the same, is the realization that the Eagles could lose three straight football games and they could give away a 98% chance <laughs> to lock up the number one seed in the NFC uh, after two straight losses in Dallas last week, home to New Orleans on Sunday, all of a sudden there's a little pressure built up on the Philadelphia Eagles. Can we spin this at all and say the pressure is a good thing that had they wanted that they might have been off for too long? Or do we just have to look at this as an uh-oh moment? Well, I think the pressure can be a good thing because let's face it, when they get to the postseason, there's going to be pressure. And so this just starts that a little bit early. So there is a positive spin to this. Now, the negative side of it is very obvious. It's that they shouldn't have to be in a situation. They should be sitting there thinking about, do we start uh, Gardner Minshew or Ian Book this week? You know, do we, who, who do we want at left tackle? Who do we want at right tackle? And instead, they've got to go out there and game plan and say, we've got to win this game. And we, you know, now the ironic thing, of course, is they're sitting there going, well, the Giants play their starters. <laughs> Same thing happened last year. That, amazing. <laughs> The Giants really don't is. have to play the game the Eagles do, and that's a good thing for the Eagles. I mean, the Giants, I can't imagine where the Giants are set up as the sixth seed, likely going to face a Minnesota team that is just absolutely leaking oil. I mean, they got a chance to get to the divisional round. They're not going to risk Saquon Barkley. They're not going to risk Daniel Jones, are they, Tommy Lawler? It wouldn't shock me if they if they do go with their guys. Uh, Brian Dayball has really put his tried to put a stamp on on that team by stressing culture and competitiveness. And you go back to the season opener when he went for two at the end of the game because he didn't want to play for the tie. He wanted to win, and he, he knew that team needed a culture change. Uh, and it was funny right after the game they said, "Are you going to rest your starters?" They said, "The off season is for rest. We're going to play our guys." The next day, they said, are you going to rest your guys? I said, we're going to do what's best for the team. <laughs> in the heat of the moment, he was like all fired up and yeah. we're going to go play. And then Joe and, Shane got in his ear, basically. Yeah. The Mara family, the GM, yeah. maybe his wife, who knows? They said, listen, if there's nothing to play for, you know, Daniel Jones can hold a clipboard. Saquon Barkley, can he can guard Daniel Jones holding the clipboard, you know. And because uh, it, it's one thing you do want to have that spirit, let's go fight, let's compete, let's not, let's battle every second of every game, which also to be smart because one injury and it ruins your season. Like you say, the Vikings, nobody's scared of the Vikings. The only team scared of them, I guess, is probably the Vikings themselves. So let me ask you this, Tommy, because last week I proposed a potential theory for the Eagles and was told, you're nuts. Um, a a middle-of-the-road gray area solution with Jalen Hurts being active this past week against the Saints, potentially not playing on the sideline, only break glass in emergency 
have Gardner Minshew play, and if he plays well enough, Jalen just stands there the whole time. And my partner and others told me, no, Jody, either he's well enough to play and he starts, or he's not well enough and he's not active. You, you, there is no middle ground there. Can Brian Dayball find a middle ground? Can he start Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and like keep him up, keep the momentum of the team going, but then pull him at some time to protect them? Or is this another one of those either or situations? Either they play or they don't play. Well, they're healthy now, so that changes things. Then it's a question of does he want them to get on the field just to avoid getting rusty, to keep them fresh, to keep things going? And if he wants to do that, he certainly could play them. You know, like we see in the preseason, starters go out and play a series, a couple of series, a quarter, and then they sit and the backups take over. The question for him is what's the reward and what's the risk? And what reward does he get from having them play if they're not going to play the whole game or the vast majority of the game? And, uh, you know, with the Eagles you know, defense, with the pass rush they've got, it may not be worth it to have Daniel Jones out there. You know, God forbid he gets sacked six, seven times. Uh, what do you do if he gets hurt in one of those plays? And Saquon Barkley, all it takes is, you know, a big hit from, uh, you know, Marcus Epps or uh, TJ Edwards. All of a sudden his ankle or his knee gets twisted and, and you lose him and you lose Saquon Barkley and that offense changes in a hurry. So he's got really got to think what, what's best and, uh, if I was advising him, I probably would lean toward resting your guys if there's literally nothing to gain from it. And it's not like they're a red-hot team. They're 2-2 two and two in their last four games. If this yeah. team was clicking along and had won seven in a row and had this momentum and they were like a well-oiled machine, but, you know, they, they got blown out by the Eagles four weeks ago. They've got a close win, a close loss, and then a blowout win over the Colts, which was essentially like an exhibition game. So I would probably rest my guys play in the playoffs and see if you can get you know magic to what uh, happened for you yeah i and ultimately i think that's the way they will go but for the eagles tommy i think it's just about getting right i mean they want to they want to start feeling good about themselves um you know jalen hurts ultimately they probably didn't want to be in this position but i i think he's going to start i think he's going to play um, and we'll see how it shakes out because you're not going to have Lane Johnson. Right tackle was an issue. But if I go back to the game against New Orleans, and I hate to do this, I'm going to break one of my own rules, but I'm going to break it because the performance was that bad. You know, the old adage is quarterback gets too much credit and when team wins gets too much blame when a team loses. Not this time. Gardner was that bad. I mean, he was bad. That Yeah, but... To use a baseball analogy, that's like your starting pitcher goes out there, gives up six, seven in the first inning, and you as a manager are sitting there, well, what, what, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> I mean, we're done. We're done for this particular day. That's how poorly he played. Now, Jody, to your point, when I, call, I, I from the Eagles mentality, they were never going to unfold your plan, but it would have been nice to have a, a relief pitcher because Gardner just didn't have it. And there's certain days where, you know, mediocre players just don't have it. Is it as simple as that? Uh, you know, <clears throat> he, he played poorly. There's just no question about it. Nick Sirianni is never going to come out and say that publicly because that's just what he does. But, um, you know, there, if you watch the game live, if you go back and watch the tape, you know, Minshew just stunk up the joint. There's no question about it. The frustrating thing is that the Eagles – didn't then counter by saying, all right, let's really run the ball more. 
Uh, now, they did start running the ball more in the second half, and then all of a sudden they had a slew of penalties. Well, it's hard to run the ball when it's second 11, first and 15. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's you know, you do have your best player is A.J. Brown. Your second best player is Devontae Smith. Your third best player is Dallas Goddard or however you want to or, you know rate him. You've got to get in the ball, and you can't get in the ball if Miles Sanders has it in his hands. So yeah. you have to throw the ball. And plus, Miles was banged up. He was wearing a brace on his knee. He was not healthy. Right. I uh, was fighting through it. So you got to throw that into the equation as well. Absolutely. And it's just, it was, it was a game of uh, really bad circumstances all around, but really the, the Eagles needed Minshew to play at a, at least at a solid level. You know, the, yeah. the game was 13 to 10 in the third quarter. All he's got to do is lead him on a field goal drive. It isn't like he's got to go lead him to 28 points for the win. Just lead him down to tie the game, see what happens. And instead, when they're, when they're down 13, 10, he throws that pick six, and that's ball game. And, uh, you know, so it was it was frustrating to watch him play so poorly. If he had been mediocre, that would have been fine. You said, hey, he's a backup. Backups are going to be mediocre. But he wasn't even mediocre. He was bad. And uh, it really hurt the team, and, and it showed you just, you know, for all the arguments that people had a couple of weeks ago about Jalen Hurts' MVP. Well, you saw, guess what? The Eagles' offense isn't just somebody where you can insert – whoever at quarterback and they're always going to produce at a certain level. Gardner Minshew aspired to get to mediocre. That's pretty damn sad. <laughs> um, despite the fact I agree with John, 90% of the blame for the loss falls on the offense. 90% of that falls on Gardner Minshew. I want to ask you about the defense. Once again, tremendous pressure on the quarterback. Uh, mid-season this year, Tommy, at one juncture, I think after week six or week seven, the top-rated cornerback in the National Football League, as per passer rating against, was James Bradford, like below 40, in the 30s, high 30s. And the second-highest cornerback in the league was Darius Slay, his teammate of the Philadelphia Eagles, with a, a, a passer against rating in the low 40s of like 42. Both of those guys have gotten beat up pretty damn bad in the last couple of weeks. But Slay, over a longer period of time, Bradford, the last two weeks, gave up a big touchdown to C.D. Lamb, the 50-plus yard game this week against the Saints. What's wrong with the Eagles' quote-unquote shutdown cornerbacks? Well, I think, you know, if you, if you go back and, and watch the Saints game, uh, Shahid is a speed guy. Bradbury is not a speed guy. And so when you get Bradbury isolated on a speed receiver, the, the guy's going to build a run by him. That's just That's been the case. That was the, the thing with Bradbury. You can go deep on him. But usually you want the safety to cheat over to that side. The safety didn't. And all of a sudden you have, I think it was a 58-yard gain on that play. Uh, the, the touchdown he gave up to C.D. Lamb, he read that play and he thought it was going to break in. He was ready to pounce on the ball that broke outside and C.D. Lamb's wide open for the touchdown. Uh, Darius Slay has just been a little bit sloppy in coverage. It isn't like these guys have forgotten how to play. Uh, teams have just figured out ways to attack them and, and some of it's taking chances. Some guys, sometimes in the past, team players, a quarterback rather weren't throwing the ball at Darius Slay. And when they did throw the ball to Bradbury, there'd be safety there. You know, maybe that's the the, the loss of Chauncey Gardner Johnson. You know, he's not there all of a sudden. You know, uh, Reed Blankenship has tackled well and hit well, but he's not going to maybe cover as well as as Gardner Johnson. So there there's been a couple of issues there but i still think that's a good pair of corners and i think they'll, they'll they they can uh, help the eagles succeed in the playoffs 
Yeah, how much of that, uh, I just looked it up. Uh, it was an interesting point by Jody. You know, Slay's still at 71.9 opposition passer rating. Bradbury's in the 50s. Uh, now, they weren't where they once were. But if you look at the league as a whole, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, number 33 in the league is Zach Wilson at 72.8. Um, is some of that just a market correction? I mean, yeah. it's hard to play pass defense in this league, and you're still under the worst quarterback by statistically in the NFL, both guys. So is it just you can't play lights out through 18 weeks? No, that's exactly right. And the other thing with statistics like this, I'm always curious, you know, uh, the people who do this, the, the, these rates, ratings rather, you know, what did they, did they put that third and 30 play? Did they put that against Darius Slay? Because that wasn't his receiver, uh, T.Y. Hilton, who caught that ball in Dallas. Yeah. It looked when you watch live like it was his receiver, but it wasn't. He was doing, he was covered in the zone and he was covered in the underneath zone. It was the safety who ever top. So you wonder who's doing the ratings and do they understand the real responsibilities on a given play of, just because a, a defensive back is on the TV feed running with that receiver doesn't necessarily mean that that's his, his guy. So oh, yeah. Yeah. I question that a little bit, but uh, yeah, no, they, they were playing at an exceptionally high level earlier in the season. And uh, you know, they, they've come to earth a little bit, but still they're both playing very good football. All right. Since you went there, I want to follow up there. Um, something that's happened two weeks running now in the Eagles losses, which concerns me. Um, slay on that play, the third and 30 conversion. You're right. It wasn't eventually his responsibility. I thought he misplayed it, that he was up too tight. You, you need to be five yards off the line of scrimmage on third and 30 playing in the, in the flat. So what if they complete a ball in the flat, back it up a little bit, ride the receiver further than he did. And maybe the safety has the chance to cap, catch up. So it wasn't his main responsibility, but he tried to hold himself blameless because some people critiqued him for that. And it was just a really bad look. You don't understand what we do. If you can't talk to me about the way that I play, uh, his uh, uh, firing back on social media unnecessary. And this past week with A.J. Brown, on the pick six slant, he did not run hard. He did not look to catch the football. The explanation afterwards, Gardner needed to look at him because he knew that the route was going to be jumped. So then you jog through your uh, rep there, and he got a little uh, defensive about those who critiqued and or questioned him afterwards. And uh, it was Gardner's fault because Gardner didn't look at him. Two weeks running, Eagles star players throwing teammates under the bus. Any concern for you? Uh, a little bit, maybe, but you know, in the modern era with social media, that stuff's going to happen because that's where these guys were, were, were getting a lot of flack social media, and that's where they, they went to yeah. address some of this stuff. And you know, that's just stuff that, that didn't happen 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and certainly you go back further, and it just didn't exist. They would have to, to listen to fans here and there, and they might make a comment to a reporter. But these days, people because they, they go on to the Twitter or what have you, and they, they tag them and say, Hey, I saw what you did. and enough people start yelling at you it's hard to to not want to react to that a little bit um with aj you know he gave an explanation as to what happened and it, did he throw Gardner under the bus a little bit yeah but you know listen Gardner screwed up and uh it, i would have preferred if aj said listen 
I still should have run that that route harder because he should have. Uh, Gardner's the one at fault, but you know AJ Brown. It would have been nice if he had run that harder, just in case Gardner screws up. Because you always want to protect your teammate in case they make a mistake. Yeah. And yeah. the uh, you know the third and thirty, you know that, that's just that was just a debacle. Josiah Scott just screwed it up, but you know if Slay had fallen back more, maybe it would have affected it a little bit. But really, that was you know that play was on Scott. Yeah, and I do. I agree, Tommy. I think it's a social media thing. I was talking about it uh, with Hamlin. I mean, it's changed the world. And, you know, people are chirping. And you bring up the film. And, you know, a lot of people watch film now because it's easy to get. And a lot of people don't know what a specific play is designed to do. And they make assumptions. Some people know their stuff really well, but some people you know, make assumptions and, and wrong assumptions. And, you know, players uh, get upset when they get blamed for things that aren't their fault. However, you know, we're talking about Gardner Minshew and Josiah Scott here as the players who made the mistakes, backup players. Here's my concern with the Eagles, and, and I'll bring in the coaching stand. The next man up mentality, it's great to say. It's a coaching point. It, it you know, you want to prop up your guys. I always talk about coaching has is an optimistic profession by nature. You have to be optimistic. You have to, because these are the guys you have to count on. And you can't just run them down. I think a lot of fans don't understand that. However, you can't believe it. You can't believe it and say, oh, Gardner can do what Jalen can do. Uh, Josiah can do what Abonte can do. Reed Blankenship can do what... C.J. Gardner-Johnson could do. Jack Driscoll can do what Lane Johnson can do. If you start believing that, you're going to have some issues. Do you think the Eagles believe too much in their backup players? No, I, you know, I remember last year, Jonathan Gannon, somebody asked him, do you have the pieces to run your defense? And he said, yeah, if you're on this unit, you know, yeah, we he believe says in it all you the and- time. All and, the time, and, he says. It. And it's like if, if we give him some, what is it, sodium pentothal? Yeah, yeah. You know, he'd be like, are you kidding me? I've got, uh, <laughs> got Eric Wilson as my starting yeah. linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, there's no way they believe some of the stuff. They, they just can't. Now, they, they, they tell them that uh, the same way that, you know, you or I might try to talk ourselves into something. Oh, I'm going to go climb this mountain or I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to finish this marathon. You know, you've got to have a positive mindset. But if in reality, you, you don't believe it and you, you could tell when you watch the game plan against Dallas, that game plan was built for Gardner Minshew. And it made sense, and he made it work, and the offense really clicked. And that, that was so encouraging to see. And that's what made it so frustrating to watch the game. All right, but real quick, let me, let, me, let me just follow up here with you, Tom. This is uh, – I'll, I'll use – I think you're right. For the most part in Dallas, they did a good job offensively. But we'll go back to the third and 30 play. I, I told Jody this day after day, just play Tampa two and get out. They're playing, you know, uh, uh, essentially Tampa two inverts where, where they're bringing the nickel cornerback back to the deep safety and having Reed Blankenship uh, come up. You know, if that's Avante Maddox, you're probably off the field, but you're right. doing the same damn thing with Josiah Scott. Now fast forward this week and you're doing the four by one thing and Nick, explained this yesterday and it was his fault it was his fault it was his fault because they put Gardner Minshew in that position 
Whereas Jalen Hurts is probably going to recognize it and see, all right, I got to go to the other way. And that's what A.J. Brown is thinking. The quarterback understands. Marshawn Lattimore is pretty good. He's got the leverage. He understands what's coming. Um, You're counting on Gardner Minshew. So I think there's some objective plays that you can look at and saying they are just leaving up to lesser players to do what they expect the star players are doing. I'll disagree with you on that a little bit. So with Gardner Minshew, you know, he's got 20 plus starts in the NFL. This is not like a guy who's making his second start or first start. He's in those quarterback meetings there. He's getting the same teaching that Jalen Hurts is. That is a mistake that if, whether you're the starter or the backup, you should absolutely understand and see that. He just didn't – he looked to that side initially and then looked to the other side and never looked back. And that's on him. That's completely on him. And unless that's a guy making his first or second start or a guy who hasn't played in forever, but he just played an entire game. He's been in parts of other games. And, again, he's got plenty of experience. He should have done that. The Josiah Scott play, that was just Jonathan Gannon trying to get too cute. Yep. You know, when it's third and 30, don't try to trick him. You know, this that would have been a perfect time for the, the Jim Schwartz sticks defense. Yeah, exactly. Just say, yeah. rush forward and line yeah. seven Take guys up. Yeah, exactly. You don't try to confuse him on third and 30. Get your guys deep. Why he did that, I don't know. I'm sure if there was something he had in mind, because Gannon's not a stupid guy. We might get frustrated with him, but he's not stupid. He had something in his mind that made him think that was the right call, that he maybe would try to somehow get Dak to do something that would be favorable, and it blew up. So I, I, those are, are are cases where I think that the the coaches, the one Min, Minshew, I think is just completely on Minshew. The other one I do think is more on Gannon. He should have just, but in, even if that is Avanti Max, I don't care who that is, it's not worth the risk. Yeah. Just put your guy deep and have him keep everything in front of him and attack it in front of him. Third and 30 is see it and go get it. That's Deception all you want. unnecessary is what Gannon should have been thinking. All right, let's, 30, uh, and, that's different. But third and three. Let's end on this note, Tommy. Um, and it ties into what John was just talking about. The coaching staff having to adjust on the fly. If you've got a backup player in, you have to acknowledge in your own mind the way you call games, the way you do things. All right, there's a drop-off here. Might not be a drastic drop-off, but there's a drop-off. Lane Johnson to Jack Driscoll is pretty drastic drop off, but you get my point. Uh, and you have to acknowledge it and you have to play around it. This week with Jalen Hurts, he's got a bit of a bad shoulder. They'll know how bad it is, what risks they are taking. Are they putting him in jeopardy? How badly do they need this game? They've been answering those questions for themselves the last several weeks, and they need to reevaluate and engage before this game on Sunday. If he starts, which we're led to believe that's the way that it's trending, do they call a different game plan? Do you do you just adjust? I'm not saying give up on Jalen Hurts running the football, put him at risk when he has to run. I, I don't think you can do that either because the way Jalen Hurts plays the game has gotten the Eagles to where they are at 13 and 3, 13 and 1 before Jalen went out. But do you skim back a little bit? Can can you say if you're Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni and everyone else in the offense or in those meetings, yeah, we need to call a couple less designated running plays. We need to coach up Jalen on the zone reads and the RPOs. Listen, 
if it's if it's debatable in your mind, give it a miles. Don't keep it. Get get it in his hands and let's go from there. Do the Eagles coaching staff have to coach slightly differently with Jalen Hurts if he plays this week because of his shoulder? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. He's so valuable to you that, you know, you've got to win this game. So your first focus has to be on winning. If the Giants set their starters, you know, that's going to change things entirely because it gives you a real feeling of confidence about winning. Uh, if they, the Giants play their starters and they go all out, then maybe you have to, to mix in some some Hurts runs. But you've got to be judicious and you've got to preach the message to him. We need you for the rest. Of, we need you for the postseason. So be careful. Pick and choose your spots to be brave. If it's a critical play that we need to win the game, take your chances. If it's just a random first down in the first quarter, just get down and get rid of the football. Don't take the hit. And usually he's pretty smart about that. You know, the, the, the play in Chicago, he was caught from behind. and But usually he's he's really good about getting out in space. And if he sees a defender, he gets down. And that's one of the reasons I've had confidence in him staying healthy despite being a guy who takes some hits here and there because he tries to be smart about it. If you want to follow Tommy on Twitter, do so at Lawler NFL and check out EagleBlitz.com, his website, where he gives you all of his Eagle insights. Tommy, we appreciate you jumping in with us and giving me your insights here today. Happy New Year, bud. Happy New Year to you guys, and hopefully we talk about a better game the next time we chat. That is Thanks, Tommy, Tommy Lawler. It will be a playoff game, that's for damn sure. Uh, and uh, we There will be Eagles. a playoff game. That's the good thing. Right, you know, we know the Eagles going to the playoffs. <laughs> where where that game is going to be played, who it's going to be against, is yet to be determined. It's going to be a Lincoln Financial Field. I mean, come on, the Giants don't have to play; they're not going to play. Johnny Mac, I, I believe you told me last week the Saints stink. They I, do stink, quote unquote. But Gardner Minshew played the worst game he's probably ever played. I don't know; I'd have to go through his Jacksonville tape, but he played horrifically. And the Eagles got the ball with a chance to win down 13-10. The Saints do stink. They should have won that game by three I, touchdowns. I, I get that. But they won the game, and the Eagles didn't. So a team that stinks beat the Philadelphia Eagles this week for their second consecutive loss and now have to play for their lives on Sunday against the Giants. So nothing is a given. I'm not giving this game to the Eagles on Sunday. You say right now, Jody, who are you going to pick? Which side? Eagles-Giants. I'm going to take the Eagles but I'm not doing so with uber confidence of, yeah, it'll be the same three touchdown blowout that it was in New York earlier this year. I don't know that with the way the Eagles are playing right now and not knowing who's going to be at quarterback just yet for the Philadelphia. Yeah, I have uber confidence that Jalen Hurts is cleared and is playing. I no longer have uber confidence in, um, you know, Gardner Minshew. Um, after watching that performance. Uh, you know, if you told me before the Dallas game, well, they would lose to Dallas, but put up 455 yards, whatever it was, I'd say, well, yeah, that's fine. You know, they, they lost a shootout, but that's pretty good. And then I said, and I did say they would beat the Saints. Um, and that was just a horrific performance. I mean, that was an awful performance by the quarterback. So you do lose a little confidence from that standpoint in the backup quarterback. But I haven't lost confidence in Jalen Hurts. If he's healthy, um, yeah. I mean, they they did what they did to the Giants in the first game. There's some 
you know, it's more difficult to play a team the second time. And that's played out. I mean, they lost to Washington. They lost to Dallas the second time. Um, so there's some curveballs thrown into it. But uh, I, I still have uber confidence if Jalen Hurts is on the field. As does everyone here in Philadelphia right now. I don't know if Chris Sims does, but uh, most people have confidence <laughs> in uh, him. Um, are, are you at least ready to skim back on – Gardner Minshew is one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL. No, I'm not. Because there are not, uh, Jody, there are not 32 starting level quarterbacks at any time in the NFL. There are a lot of bad quarterbacks. And I think, you know, people don't listen to what I say. Uh, From a meritocracy standpoint, Gardner Minshew was one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the world. He wasn't on Sunday. He was awful. But again, that's one game. That's 60 minutes of football. He has played, as Tommy pointed out, he has played quite a bit. And he's played the week before he played at a relatively high level where you would easily say, all right. And Nick Sirianni said it. He's one of the best, you know, 32 quarterbacks in the world. I disagree with both you and Nick Sirianni. He was part of three turnovers last week. I know he threw for a lot of yards. But he, he he and you but if you want to just I, I guess put my the turnovers point. on the wide receiver for not coming away with the football he put Everybody. the football in bad spots and he was part of a fumble three turnovers is, he can't be in my estimation you can't have an A game with three turnovers well but it look and I said and again I said I'm not putting all the culpability on Quez Watkins, but I put the majority of the culpability. Evidently, people have no problem with the culpability on A.J. Brown, and I don't put much culpability at all on A.J. Brown. I thought that was 95% Gardner Minshew. Yet people want to blame him for you know more of a 50-50, and I would argue certainly 60-40 in the receiver aspect. But that's getting too far in the weeds. My my only point with Gardner Minshew is the context. And I always say, you know, fans are provincial in general. Let's be honest. But not just in Philadelphia everywhere. They follow their team and they don't follow anybody else. There are some bad stinking quarterbacks. There are never 32 guys who deserve to be starting quarterbacks in the NFL. It's like starting pitchers in baseball, Jody. You have number one guys, true aces. Well, there's 30 teams. How many teams are there in baseball? 30. 30. There's 30 teams. There's not 30 aces, but there's 30 number one pitchers who are tops in their rotation, but there's not 30 aces. There are a lot of bad quarterbacks in the NFL. And when Marcus Mariota is getting trapped, uh, thrown out there, and the and the world and the and the Zach well, no offense. I hate to go down the chat. I mean, Zach Wilson's awful. Uh, there, there are some bad starting quarterbacks in this league. But what I've also said is, and this is where people miss seemingly, he's not going to get an opportunity because nobody wants to sell Gardner Minshew to their fan base. But they'll sell um, Zach Wilson a high a high round pick. Some of those high round picks aren't ready, Jody, and at that particular time, they're not starting level quarterbacks. That's all I'm saying. 
He's one of the best 32 quarterbacks. That yeah, doesn't mean I, he's good. I just boldly and blatantly disagree with you. He's not. In my opinion, he's not. He hasn't shown that. He played a bunch for a god-awful Jacksonville team, and I'll give him points for toughness. He didn't win any games down there, and, yeah, he wasn't the only problem. They weren't a very good football team, but he didn't lift them to anything. And now he's one and three as well, an equal starter. Well, he's now you're, he's you're, not one of the 32 best quarterbacks on the planet. I'm sorry. It, You you need to come up with a measurement that proves that to me because with my eyes, I cannot come to that conclusion. Well, you're the passer rating guy, not me. How's that for a measurement? I mean, look at his passer rating. It's better than a lot of guys. I I mean, the the Taylor Heineke's of the world, the Mariota's of the world, uh, guys like that. I, I mean, the Davis Mills of the world. I know you're not a Davis Mills fan. The Carson Wentz is of the world. Let's be honest. Carson is, has gone into the, the you-know-what. The Zach Wilsons of the world. Kenny Pickett. Now, Kenny Pickett has far more potential. But I'll say that. But right now, he, he's played some bad football, even though Pittsburgh's coming up because Mike Tomlin's never going to be under 500. He's just not allowed to be under 500. So he's got more potential, but he's not playing. There's, there's so many bad quarterbacks. That's it's more a reflection of that than it's a reflection of oh, do I want Gardner Minshew to be my starting quarterback? Absolutely not. No, no. But there's so many bad quarterbacks, Jody. That's my point. Okay, and my point is he's not in the top thirty-two. If he is for you, so be it. He's not in the top thirty-two for me. Uh, accomplishment projection, a lot of things taken into it. I can't make the Gardner menu. Well, the projection part changes the equation. I said meritocracy. I said how he plays. He has played better than... But but Carson Wentz is better than Gardner Minshew. Carson Wentz wasn't as bad as Gardner Minshew this week. Carson Wentz at one point was playing on an MVP-type level. So there needs to be some subjectivity involved in it because if you just go by numbers, well, then there are a whole bunch of quarterbacks that have had better... Yeah, but I'm not the Gardner numbers Minshew guy. I'm with you 100%. Now. I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not, I'm not a numbers guy. I'm saying you are a numbers guy. So it seems to me you're moving the goalpost because the passer rating is not good enough for Gardner Minshew, but it's good enough for other people. So if you're going to move the goalposts, yeah, I'm saying on a meritocracy standpoint right now, there's not 32 quarterbacks in the world better than Gardner Minshew. There's a lot of bad quarterbacks. That's not a compliment. If you're in the bottom five of 27 to 32, where I've consistently said Gardner is, that means you're not good. And, And you should be looking if you're a team and you're in that position to where you have one of the bottom five, you should be looking for the next guy. I, that I agree with wholeheartedly. He should. You should be looking for an improvement. But there are, unfortunately, there aren't 32 people in this world who can play the position at a high level in the NFL. There's probably not 15, to be honest. No. And there's 32 teams, so somebody's got to somebody's got to fill that void from 16 to 32 because there are 32 teams. And yes, uh, if uh, part of it is 
do you believe you can win with a guy in the future? And I just have zero belief that Gardner Minshew is that guy. Uh, for me, he's never been a starter-worthy player in the league, and he sure wasn't a starter-worthy player this year, despite some people saying there won't be a drop-off when Gardner Minshew goes in well, for Jalen Hurts. And not just not Chris Sims. I'm talking about Eagle fans who are saying that Gardner Minshew can step in and do what yeah. Jalen Hurts does. I leave the station at that point. I'm not I'm not going down that route. We found out that that surely is not the case. All right, McMullen and McDonald, Mac and Mac here with you on Birds 365. Quickie timeout. We'll continue to break down what the hell happened against the Saints. And Chris Franklin of NJ.com is going to join us coming up about 20 minutes from now. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio. Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Got your Mac and Mac guys here on March 365. A kind of troublesome Tuesday after the Eagles lost two consecutive games. They still are exactly where they were two weeks ago. They just have a smaller window of opportunity. Their uh, ability to take it easy has gone by the wayside because they need to win this week to lock up home field advantage throughout the playoffs in the NFC playoffs and win an NFC East crown. Yeah, they could get lucky and they could back into it. The Cowboys could lose yeah. to the Commanders. Yeah, I'm not seeing that yeah. happening. Uh, the 49ers could lose to the Cardinals. Yeah, I'm not seeing that happening either. Uh, so they're going to have to go out and take care of their own business, John. And the key aspect will be, will Jalen Hurts be capable of playing? How do you think that plays this week? As far as information goes, you and I from time to time chide Nick Sirianni on being overly protective of competitive advantage that yeah that works i had that work out this week the dog and pony show from thursday the nonsense the eagles do oh yeah dennis allen's worried about jack driscoll playing right tackle i told you i couldn't report that i mean how silly is that um yeah and 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 challen hurts didn't take one rep jody didn't take one first team rep all week all week Gardner took every single one of them. Nonsense. He went Nonsense. out and Jalen went out. He did throw the ball though, right? 
Yeah, he played catch with someone on Thursday yeah. afternoon in practice. Can you he confirm did, that? Uh, yeah. yeah, I got video of it. Yeah. Please, there's Mr. Hertz. Please take all the video you want. Exactly. So uh, I I assume that the Eagles will be closed mouth, cards close to the vest, call it what you want as far as information goes. At some point, they will have to admit that Jalen's going to play their injury reports that must be filed. And they did put him down as doubtful this week. So that was somewhat telling if you thought there was any chance that he was going to play. Give me your best guess at timelines and hidden agendas as to how this is going to play out leading up to Sunday. 425, Johnny. Could have been could have been Sunday night. Could have been worst case scenario for yeah, all you beat guys. Yeah. It was kind of middle of the road. I know you were all rooting for Sunday at one. You got Sunday at 425. Uh, how are we going to get there yeah. with Jalen Hurts' the Eagles, status? Yeah, people don't realize how badly the Eagles screwed me with this loss to the Saints. It would have been Sunday at one. Um, yeah, but it's not the worst case scenario. Uh, I, I do think it'll be evident Thursday. Um, remember, we're in Wednesday walkthrough season, so we're not going to get to see practice until Thursday. And I think it was evident when I knew he wasn't playing last week. It was when they do their – I, I mentioned it on the show. I couldn't say it flat out, but um, when they do their ball security drills, he did not participate, which I could report, but that was the clear indication. He was not cleared for contact. Um, I imagine if he's cleared for contact by Thursday, we will know he's going to play in essence. Uh, and we'll be able to see that if he's in the ball security drills, if he's not cleared then you got some issues. So we see, yeah, well, that shakes out over the week. Um, <clears throat> my guess is I'm with John. He knows better than me, but uh, I think that Jalen Hurts is going to play, but we will not know. And the Eagles are, are not going to tell us. Um, now, when I critique the head coach here, let, let me just go on a wreck because people get bent out of shape and they uh, overreact. Yeah, I'm going to take a shot at Nick Sirianni. I think Nick Sirianni is absolutely in the conversation for coach of the year in the National Football League. I, I might go so far as to say, made the best coach win this Sunday. If Sirianni wins and finishes up thir- uh, 14 and three, give him the award. If Brian Dable comes in and beats the Jalen Hurt led Eagles with or without his starters, he might be eligible for the award. Oh, by the way, I got a call on CBS Sports this weekend who suggested. Dougie P should get the nod for getting the Jaguars. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I, I mean, they got to win. They got to win on Saturday night, but I think they're going to win. Um, the Jags I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I, I have no problem with people putting Doug in there. Uh, that's one of my easiest predictions of the preseason was how happy Jacksonville was going to be with Doug Peterson. Mm-hmm. Not just because he's a good coach, but because of what they had there before. Uh, and it's worked out that way, and it's not a surprise to me at all. And Trevor Lawrence having Doug Peterson and company, that's a good thing not only for Jacksonville but the NFL. He was replacing the dumpster fire that was Urban Meyer. And the other Jacksonville point I made on my uh, show, and I know you know this, a lot of people around the NFL gave the Jaguars a hard time for what they paid Christian Kirk as a a free agent. Yeah, he's played great. He's got a thousand yards. 
They needed a first-team lead guy, wide receiver. They knew they were overpaying him, but to get him to come to Jacksonville, a bad team that didn't look like they were going anywhere on paper with a new head coach, they had to overpay to get him. They did. He has lived up to the paycheck. They did. They 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 lauded on him. Oh, by the way, the Eagles were in the running for Christian Kirk. They really wanted Chris. The Jaguars did the Eagles a favor because if they'd gotten Christian Kirk, then chances are they don't trade for A.J. Brown. So uh, you should thank the Jacksonville general manager twice over for making that move. Congrats for getting a player who's lived up to his contract and allowing the Eagles to get an even better player than, than Christian Kirk. Um, so uh, I did talk too much about the Jaguars on my uh, CBS show this weekend. Uh, this conversation started. I will say this though, Jody, because if if Christian Kirk would have came here, I think people would have been thrilled. I think he's a good player. Um, now, because remember, you don't know. You're not. You don't have AJ Brown, right. so you don't know AJ Brown. He's somewhere else, wherever. Maybe Tennessee keeps him. Maybe they trade him somewhere else. I think they would have been very happy. But yeah, sure. they got they got a better player, so they got yeah, lucky. Twenty twenty hindsight is a beautiful thing. I I got to take a little bit of a shot at Doug Peterson here. And I know you you you, you sort of tweeted about this about Doug taking all the bullets that that's his modus operandi now. Very Andy Reid like we need to do a better job coaching him up. I got to put him in a better position. Uh, it's almost like you play a tape from Andy Reid press conferences from yesteryear uh for Doug Peterson that uh, pick six was somehow Doug Peterson's fault. Really? Uh, you can question the quarterback. You can question Nick, the wide receiver. Spot. Yeah, somehow yeah, it's yeah. a Nick that that play yeah. came down. So uh, more power to him. I used to roll my eyes when Andy did it. So I'll roll my eyes now when uh, Coach Sirianni does it. But he's doing what he feels he must to protect his players, which basically is a good thing. But here's where he lost me yesterday. When he said, you know, I don't get too high when we win and I don't get too low. So if you guys are looking for me to be either ticked off or bummed out, that's not me. Excuse me? He's one of the most emotional coaches I've ever seen in my entire life. Did we lose the video from him running over to the stands in Indianapolis, high-fiving fans and screaming, that's for Frank Reich. What are you talking about? You're not one of those guys who has high highs well, I think or low got, lows. Stop I think it. You don't really. Did he say that with a straight face? Did he look right into the camera and say that yesterday, John McMullen? Well, and I think he's saying with the microphone. Yeah, in the game, the emotion of the game. Yeah, he probably gets too emotional, which he admits at times. Um, but on the microphone, you got to stay more measured. Look, I think it's a good thing, but. You know, we also know it. What, what Nick does, and this is what you should do if you're a head coach, is when things go bad, he blames himself. And when things go well, he praises the players. That's right. what you should, or the assistant coach. Um, that's what you should do. That's that absolutely what you should do. But we also know at this stage, it's a bunch of hooey. We know it wasn't your fault. We know it was Gardner Minshew's fault. I asked. You know, I, we asked Nick 20 different ways, and to his credit, he never wavered. And I asked him, what's the teaching point? I mean, you and Shane can't call a perfect play every time. What's the teaching point uh, for the quarterback, the receiver, whatever? He didn't bite the credit to him. Uh, but we all know it's not true. Um, 
So it's a give and take. But, you know, from his perspective, players like him, coaches like him, because he will take the blame when things go wrong, and he will dish out all the credit in the world when things go right to the players. But he's never going to blame the players. And that's what you should do, to be honest. I agree. And, oh, by the way, despite these last two losses, ugly losses, painful losses, Eagle fan, let's be honest, they're still 13-3. and three. At some yeah, point, know. you always uh, have to go back and do a reset record, by the way. I, 13 I, and 3. I, they should have, you know, we're all waiting for another franchise record. They've never won 14 games in the season. Uh, they should have done it before this. So it's a little disappointing. But I'll, I'll say again 13 and 13, you say 13 and 3. 13 and 1 with the starting quarterback. 13 and 1. With the starting quarterback. Yeah, so Gardner Minshew is a starting quarterback. He's one of the top 32 in the With league. their starting quarterback. With their – and again, yes. Again, and I use the baseball analogy. There are 30 teams, but there aren't 30 aces, but there's 30 number ones. And the same thing in football. There's technically 32 starters because there has to be 32 starters, but there are not 32 men in the world who deserve to be NFL starters. That that the the supply doesn't meet the demand. It never has, it never will. Same thing happens in other sports. Um, Jalen Hurts has played like a top five quarterback this year. There is a big difference between top five and bottom five. Right, and uh, it, uh, again, I don't think Gardner Minshew. What when you're the second best quarterback on the field? In a game started by Andy Dalton on the other side, that pretty much tells you where Gardner Minshew oh, is boy, at. Andy in the Dalton, by the way, my God, that guy! I thought he was going to build a house in the middle of Lincoln. Finding he holds on to the football so much. I joked, uh, you know, because we talk about this all the time here. I joked, whoever wins this, whoever whoever loses this game. I said sacks are not going to be a winning stat because they both sacked the quarterback right. a hundred times. Getting crushed. Both teams yeah. were getting crushed. And oh, by the way, yes, Gardner, uh, uh, Andy Dalton is now 4-0 against Philadelphia Eagles lifetime. I know it goes back to Cincinnati. It's irrelevant to what's happening now. 4-0 is 4-0. Any way you want to slice it, it's 4-0. Um, but we have to wait on Jalen Hurts to find out if he is capable of playing. We do not know that yet. I don't think we're going to know it for at least a couple of days. Johnny Mac said Thursday is probably going to be the big reveal. And if Nick Sirianni had his druthers, he'd probably try and wait till Sunday at 1230 or no, uh, at four o'clock since it's yeah. a 425 start. If he thought he could keep it under wraps, he would attempt to do that. Uh, sorry, coach. That can't happen this week. All right. John McMullen, Johnny McDonald. We're taking a quickie timeout when we return. One of our uh, regulars, uh, Chris Franklin, does an outstanding job covering the Eagles for NJ.com. He's going to jump on with us here on Birds 365. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. 
One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero Down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Here we are, Birds 365. Our buddy Chris Franklin should be streaming in here any second. And when he does, we will certainly punch him up. Uh, John, I've referenced a couple of calls I got last night uh, doing my show on WIP. Uh, got on early because of what transpired in Monday Night Football, the suspension of the game. Uh, continued good thoughts and prayers to Damar Hanlon of the uh, Bills, who had to be taken from the field immediately to a hospital. Um, he is in critical but stable condition because uh, his vitals have been stabilized. So that was good news. I did get this question. I'm going to run it by you. And when Chris Franklin joins us, I'm going to run it by him as well uh, from an Eagle fan who said that the Eagles can get extra motivation for this Saturday's game against the new Sunday's game against the New York Giants because of Kayvon Thibodeau's reaction to laying out one Nick Foles, that the the hero of the Super Bowl of the Philadelphia Eagles of 2017. They can't quit Nick Foles, man. They can't quit Nick Foles. I, they did. I, I couldn't believe I got this. That Eagle fans needed added in, inducement 
to root hard for the Eagles on time. Forget the fact that they needed to get first place in the NFC, that they can win a division. No, Kayvon Thibodeau did snow angels while Nick Foles convulsed next to him on the field. And that's the reason why Eagle fans should be pumped up and ready for this game on Sunday. Does it get you pumped up, Chris Franklin? Yeah, nah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that's a white man. That Polesian <laughs> society runs deep, Chris. Oh, it's okay. small, but it runs deep. That's a that's a I don't even know how to put that in a word. That's a new one. I, I mean, yeah, don't be wrong. Nick did a lot. When I got the call, thank yeah, you, Chris, man. for confirming my suspicions. That I wow. Yeah. Wow. Like, doing snow yeah. angels. Probably not oh. the best thing for him. I'm sure he wasn't paying attention, but, you know, he's down on but the let field. Me, let me night. take a shot. And I did this again Sunday <laughs> and last night, and I'll do it again here. Um, the fact that he hit falls and falls goes down. And like I said, he looked like he was convulsing on the field. And here's Debido doing snow angels. I'll buy his explanation afterwards. They didn't even know that Foles was hurt on the play. And sorry, uh, the moment he got a little excited, he overreacted and the like. Did you see what he did on the sidelines afterwards? I did not. You did, no, I did, did you not. catch it, Chris? No, Look, I missed they it. caught it on camera. After he comes off the field, after doing snow angels, after realizing Foles was down on the play, went over to the sidelines and went like this. That he put Nick Foles to sleep. Now, there's no explaining that one after the fact. You want to try and explain it away that, hey, I didn't see him. He was approximately three feet away from you, and somehow you didn't see him. Okay, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt on that one. You can't go on putting him to sleep on the sidelines afterwards. So I actually understood the point the caller was trying to make. This this was a bad uh, reaction from Kayvon Thibodeau, and he should be chastised for it, but that's what the Eagle fans really need to get them pumped up for the game on Sunday. It, not the fact that Giants, not the fact that it's for the division, not the fact that it's for the number one seed, not the fact that they've lost two games in a row. We hate Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, I wasn't going there. So, so how's I wonder how Coy Detmer feels after nobody avenged him after he broke his yeah, arm. I wonder nobody, how some of these other guys went there too. January 3rd, what is today? January 3rd, 2020, yes. 2023. Yeah. Happy New Year, by the way, Chris. Hey, happy New um, Year. And, and there are certain people still worried about Nick Foles in Philadelphia. I, they, they got bigger fish to pry, as they say. Uh, but before we get to that, we, did you were you watching the game last night? Uh, obviously, a, just a, a horrible situation. We went through something I thought was bad. Uh, on Sunday with Josh Sweat, and then all of a sudden you see something this serious. It 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 was quite uh, uh, quite a shock uh, to to some people. How do you think the whole thing was handled? Well, I came in. I was coming in from. Uh, I was driving back from the office. I actually, was coming home and I walked in. It's like, was like, hey, what's going on? I said, why why is everybody standing around? It's always, the first thing I saw was. <laughs> Josh Allen with a tear rolling down. So I was like, well, what happened in the middle of it? And then started hearing, like, what? It's – you see so many times, like we saw Sunday with the with, – when people put neck injuries, you see them with the carts. You mean, we all remember Dennis Bird and everything else. When you see something like that, it, it hits you in a way different manner. And it, it gets you. And, listen, I don't know. We're in a he said, he said situation now with the whole – Five minute yeah. thing. I'm restarting everything. I don't care. I I don't know who said what, but 
if it came out that they really said, okay, yeah, let's get back together and start playing five minutes from now, that's completely unacceptable. And you had a guy's life hanging in the balance. And don't get me wrong, we all love football. Everybody on this, everybody on here loves football. People who are watching here loves football. But when there's something to be said that a guy's life who stopped, whose heart stopped of all things, and the only thing you worry about, well, let's get everybody back together and it'll be fine. This is it is callous, callous, and, and you can't do that. So like that. So I all this. Uh, the ESPN, I thought they did a great job trying to do what they could. Uh, those players were in an impossible situation. You, you just hope that he continues to, to do better and, and to improve because it's, it's heavy. It's really heavy. You hope he gets better. I thought some prayers for uh, Hamlin and his family and the Bulls, uh, the Bills' entire football uh, community. And uh, hopefully we get some good news before the day is out. I No good news on Eagle Front with the two straight losses. Or is there? Jalen's going to be back. Johnny Mac told me earlier in the show he's definitely going to be back. I don't know if he said definitely. But he <laughs> no, said he believes he's going to be back. Should we all believe he's going to be back on Saturday? You want to throw a percentage out there on a Tuesday morning before a Sunday game that Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback when the Eagles, well, they're going to win the coin toss and they're going to defer. So you got to wait till the Giants get the ball first. But then when he gets a chance, will Jalen Hurts be out there as the Eagles starting quarterback? I think there's an 80% chance he's playing. I think it's that much because I, I know he didn't take snaps. I know he's been right, but it's, this game is way too important for everything else they need to go there. Because the last thing his team wants to go is to be still as banged up as they are, having to travel down to Tampa again <clears throat> to play in a wild card round. This team needs – this team, I think – I'm not for throwing him out there if he's not 100%, but at this point right now, I think the season's on a lot – I really truly think any aspirations of them having a Super Bowl hinges on this game, probably against backups, but it hinges on this game because home field and that bye week, this team really needs it in, in the worst way. So I think this is one of those situations where – I'm not for it unless he's not even some. I'm not completely behind it, but it's one of those things where it's probably going to have to. You're going to have to have him because that offense last week was it was bad. It was there's no other way to put it. It was just it was, it was bad. Yeah, and the quarterback was bad. No question about it. Uh, Gardner Minshew did not play well. I broke one of my own rules, Chris. I you know because typically. You know, it's a cliche, but it's true. Typically, the quarterback gets too much credit when the team wins, too much blame when the team loses. Not this case. I mean, Garner was just that bad. Um, and I think everything offensively stemmed from the poor per performance from the quarterback more than I know there's a lot of criticism of the coaching staff. When your quarterback's playing like that, I mean, there's not much you can do. Um, but, it, it, you know, you bring up a point with the Giants. In a weird way, does that complicate matters? Because if the Giants had to win the game, you know, there there's at least the human nature aspect of, well, they're not going to play. They're key players. They they don't have anything to play for. They can't move. They have a real chance to upset Minnesota in the first round. They don't want to risk Saquon Barkley or Daniel Jones. Does that give you a, a false sense of security is what I'm trying to say? I don't think so. I think if this was a very young team and certain, I think if this was a very young team overall, I think I would worry about that. But I think you got a lot of these guys like Fletcher and, and Kelsey and all those other guys that have been through this and they know this. And so I don't think it's going to be a, a false sense of security. I'm just hoping it's not one of those things where 
they become very passive in their play call and their play calling where they think, okay, you know what, what, let's just run or on defense. Let's just run. Well, you see, so we talk everything so much like straight base cover two, base cover three, just get out of there without being hurt and just hope the offense scores just enough against these backups. And then we'll just walk off the field. I just hope it's not one of the things where it's, where it's called differently because of everything that's going on there. That's the thing I'm worried about. You're going to have to, I think this is a game where, you have you roll Jalen out of the pocket a little bit more, especially to his left. I know everybody talks about he's done a lot better to his left, but after seeing the way that uh Cam Jordan did that one power move where he just basically took a hand right into the middle of Jack Driscoll, pushed him back into the pocket. I think you're sweet. You keep rolling him out, and that's how you keep him safe. But it's yeah, I don't think it's gonna be. I don't think it's gonna be that much of confidence. I'm worried right. about the scheme. You, you went to Jack Driscoll, and that's where I wanted to go next. And we had you on last week, so I'm sure we asked you. I can't remember exactly what you said. How the Eagles would fill the void of Lane Johnson being out of the lineup. Uh, I think most everyone projected that it would be Driscoll, and it was. He wasn't good. He had a bad game. I'll ask Johnny Mack to look up the PFF grades, but I can pretty much guess that his is going to be pretty putrid for this past week. Uh, He had uh, help on that offensive line of those not playing well, penalties and the like he was not the only one who dropped the ball on the eagle o-line on sunday but he might have been the most glaring do they revisit should i be asking you the same question is there a chance that they change their mind and this week they move my over to right tackle and insert andre dillard at left tackle i think they still keep it the same way because they really really don't like doing but i think if it was a playoff game i think they'd visit that one I think this week they'll try to give him Driscoll a little bit more. I think you, I think it's one of those things you hate to use more two tight end sets, but I think you might see Jack Stoll over here a little bit more. I was, I thought they would do more uh, good chipping. I think when I touchdown pass it through the, to AJ Brown, I forget who the running back was, but what they did was really good. Like he got a good chip block on him and neutralized him before he went out on his route. And I thought that was, you'd see more of that, but you didn't. So if it had to be a playoff game, I think you I think as much as I'm, not, I'm also not a fan of not switching too much around because you think you missed continuity and you got too much stuff going on when it happens, but I think they roll with Driscoll at least for one more week until Lane, possibility of Lane coming yeah. back. For In a weird way, I think it's a good side, Chris, because if Lane was going to be out, I don't think there's any doubt Jordan Mailata would be the right tackle and Andre Dillard would be the left tackle. Yeah. So that to me is sort of a good sign the fact that they're trying to get through it without those moving parts because they know Lane Johnson's going to be back for the playoffs or at least is going to try I think the the question isn't whether Lane is going to play it's whether he's going to finish because we know how tough Lane is but to Jody's point um yeah um Jack Driscoll didn't get a good grade but there were three players worse than Jack Driscoll on offense one is obvious Gardner Minshew, who was the worst graded player. Uh, Quez Watkins, which is typical, and Jack Stoll, although Jack didn't play that much. So, yeah, I, it wasn't a great day from the offensive perspective. Now, people, because we are in Philadelphia, and Jonathan Gannon is Jonathan Gannon, there's still some criticism of the defense. The opening drive was terrible. I mean, it right. took forever. It's a hundred plays and <laughs> after the first half, seemingly. Um, Taysom Hill just converting short yardage. But after that, 
it's kind of lights out uh, from a defensive perspective. Um, another six plus sack game there. Can you imagine now granted it's 17 games, but if the Eagles uh, get four sacks, they will, they will have the most sacks in NFL history. Who saw that coming? Did not, especially after last year. No, they didn't see that as well too. Then, as I look at that first draw, it, it was it was really bad. And, and the problem where they were having, and I, you think they would have adjusted. I would have played Linval Joseph even more, or Jordan Davis even more. A combination of that was they were getting about like five, six yards of first down yeah. or second down. And then by the time it was like third down, it was like third and three, third and four. It's like okay, now you you really put going into Taysom Hill territory, and that's where he had his success because you don't know what he's going to do. It's it's so hard to predict what he's predict what the play is going to be. So I thought. After a while, I thought they adjusted very well, especially after halftime. I thought they did very well. Josiah Scott kept them in that game, I think, because if I think if if Josiah played well, he played well. He he did, and if I think if the Saints scored a touchdown at that right before the half, I think this is a whole. I think it's it's a route from there that point on because it's as we saw with the offense. But I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm not putting this loss again. I mean, even Jordan Mailata after the game. Said everyone knows that this offense is this loss was on the offense. He, he said that as well too, and that's other words I can't, I won't say on there as well too. But yeah, he said pretty much a lot of f bombs. Yeah. yeah, he oh, also yeah. said the officials have never seen an effing pancake in their life from Landon Dickerson's uh, True. block. He, uh, uh, should have been a twenty-eight yard touchdown for Kenny Gainwell. And he said he was saying too, like he thought it was on him too, because he said he had the outside, he had holding the outside of the guy. Yeah, he, he, he might have been moment. called yeah. for holding more than, yeah. but he kind of because I assume that's what happened. I assume they called Jordan and got the number wrong, yeah. but he insisted no, they called it on landing. He said they could have called it on me, but they called it on landing. It's crazy because they always give you the inside pad part, yeah. right? The inside pad part there. If you're outside, yeah, okay, yeah, you get that. But when you get the inside, nah, that's that's just yeah. controlling somebody. Yeah. yeah, too much right. domination, ten yard <laughs> penalty. CF, <laughs> uh, we know that it was just a month ago that the Eagles went up the turnpike and basically decimated the Giants, crushed them. Um, their offense put up a 48 spot that day. They just they slice and dice the giant defense. Giant offense didn't do much. Daniel Jones uh, was accountable for two of the touchdowns, but uh, not not a great performance by him, and he got lifted in the game. I have to do a couple mea culpas when it comes to Daniel Jones because I said before the season started, he's a bottom 10 quarterback. Never going to be a franchise quarterback. The Giants have to make a decision about him, and they should go in another direction. He's had a pretty good year. He's a top half of the league quarterback. I'm still not sure he's in the top 10, but he's a top half of the quarterback type year. If the Giants decide to play him, any issues that the Eagles will have with him? Like you mentioned, Taysom Hill playing quarterback, did some pretty good running against them. Kyler Murray, a quarterback they played earlier, almost beat him out there in Arizona. Should the Eagles, we always say, oh, the Eagles should be good at uh, holding down a running quarterback because they got to face Jalen in practice all the time. Practice is walkthroughs. Come on. Uh, They don't really practice uh, taking down a running quarterback. Does Daniel Jones and his ability to run the football scare you at all this weekend in this game? I think it's a concern in the fact that I think the one of the Eagles' best strengths is we were talking about earlier with the sex. I think it's that could be the one thing that works against him with Daniel Jones because – 
sometimes we've seen at times when these edge rushers are in the contain, they, they go in for a sack or they do a spin move. Next thing you know, there's a create, they lose contain. And next thing you know, the quarterback's on the outside running for five, 10, 15 yards and, and first down. That's the thing I'm, I, I'm going to be looking at. I want to see them continue to contain. I don't think you need to spy them. I don't think you need to use a resource like because you're white or, or TJ or, or, or safety, what have you. I don't think you're at that point yet because I think you're going to need, even with those receivers still, you know, I don't think you really need that. But if he does play, I think it's just a matter of making sure that you keep those edge rushers and go, hey, guys, we just need you to keep your outside shoulder free. Don't let them out. Don't let them buy them time that way and just let those interior defensive tackles just do their magic too. And it's That's the way I would uh, I'd probably worry about that. Other than that, I'm not too worried when it comes to him. Yeah, uh, for, for a couple reasons. One, I don't think the Giants are going to play him that much. They might start him, but I think he's going to be out pretty quickly. But yeah, anytime. I think discipline on the pass rush uh, comes into it a little bit more. But the Eagles, you know, in Chicago with Justin Fields, they gave up a couple plays. Um, that's even more of a problem. And And with Daniel Jones last time, they did a pretty good job uh with that kind of stuff so you know that front has been great all year um i'm starting to think that you know hassan reddick should be in the the defensive player of the year conversation now nick bose is going to win it we all know that but he should be top five hassan reddick he's been so so effective um the secondary though we were talking about this a little earlier uh chris they've sort of come back down. I'm not even going to say come back down to earth, but there's been a little bit of an adjustment. Is that because they were just so good early that it's natural because that those opposing passer ratings against Slay and Bradbury, they were ridiculous first half of the season. And now you see a little bit more of them getting beat. Is that just sort of a market correction? I think it's one of those things where I think teams are just really to try it a little more to, and, and test the markets a little bit there. Because there's times when you you, you weren't even thinking about Slate just took basically took away half the field and Bradbury was the main target. That's the person they're looking at. I'm also starting to think you're starting to see the effects of CJ Gardner Johnson being out really, really starting to really take his form yeah. now because you had to worry about if he was playing that middle field, if you're going to try those deep shots, you had to worry about making, putting the ball in the right position because you know you can undercut it too. So I think that's a really – I think that, if anything, I think that's the biggest thing where you don't have him back there lurking. And teams are now, since you don't have that, I mean, Reblank's just doing an okay job. I, mean, I think once you have that, you're missing – once you miss C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you're missing a lot. They're taking shots, and, and you're starting to see that. Because corners – these corners can do good for three, four seconds, but if you got a guy – or you like, if you have a guy like – she, like, for the Saints, you know, he, the way he went by Bradbury, too, that's not his strength. Bradbury's strength is – Hey, the By the way, I got to give a well. shout out to Mike Quick. Before the game, he said that kid was going to get the Eagles. He was going to get a big one, and he was mm-hmm. right. He was a hundred percent right. I didn't even know who he was. <laughs> Weber yeah. State undrafted rookie, but he's fast. I was worried about him on a kickoff or punt coverage because I've seen a couple of things. I remember he had a forty-two yard one. I forget who, but he had a forty-two yard return. I was like, okay, yeah, this guy worries me a little bit. But other than that. Yeah, he, he's 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 going to be a problem. He, he reminds me of Dante Stallworth in a way for them. He could be like a Dante Stallworth type guy with the speed. I'm not saying he's going to put the production that way, but he could be that type of guy for the Saints, though. Chris, everyone is going to be narrow focused on 
Carson Wentz's shoulder this week, and you guys will do your best to uh, drip, drip, drip information out of the Philadelphia Eagles. Good luck with that. Um, but there are other injuries that we need to know about. You mentioned one, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, um, didn't even open up his practice window last week, which we thought was going to happen. Do you think that happens this week? How important is it for him to get back into a game? Uh, we talk all the time about quarterback shaking rust off. Every football player who hasn't played for a month, I think, has to shake off a little bit of rust. Um, any speculation on Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, whether he's going to be able to get some time in at the regular season before the playoffs get underway? I tried reaching out to a couple of people and it's been nothing with that so far. I mean, I saw him doing some conditioning on the side last week, but it was nothing major just like where sprints, like just basically like he's getting the cardio. I think this, that's the biggest thing. I think it's getting stamina after sitting around for so long, just getting stamina, his game shape stamina back. So I think, I don't think I personally, I don't, I don't think he's going to suit up. I don't think they're open his window this week. Personally, I think it might be something where you see them if they win and they get that bye week, then they do it. So that way, they really get them acclimated, get try to get them back as much as they can. But I thought last week, if they were going to activate it before regular season, I thought last week would have been the week. So that way, you got them the one, then they would rest them again and then go on again. But yeah, they need to see needs them back in a, yeah. in a big way. I think if we're going to see CJ, it's the playoffs. I, I don't, I don't think the window's getting started this week. I'm with you, and they're certainly not going to play him this week. So um, it be returns, and that's open ended because Nick. You know, he's not honest with injuries. He said, but that one's a little bit different, um, you know, than a typical ankle sprain, knee sprain, whatever, shoulder sprain like Jalen has. You know, all right, this is grade two, two to three weeks. You know, sort of the history of that type of injury with a lacerated kidney. And there could be a dislocated rib in there as well. So um, really difficult. I think people look back to Zach Ertz and Zach playing so quickly. They're also different. Not everyone's the same. So that's that's um, that's an injury that is really truly open ended because you just don't see it that often. And ultimately, it has to heal. Um, and you know, because we've seen CJ a couple times, he's happy, he's go lucky, he's you know his normal ebullient self. But <laughs> you can feel great. And it might not be healthy to where you can go play football and have collisions like, unfortunately, you saw last night. So there's a lot of uncertainty uh, with C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Lane Johnson, I talked about a little bit before. I think you're you're with me. We know he's going to try to play. Um, so do you think the Eagles are doing a disservice by not doing a little bit more manipulation because, and I know fan, people are not fans of Andre Dillard in this town, but Andre Dillard is better than Jack Driscoll. Um, maybe not better at right tackle, but the old adage is you got to get your best people on the field. I don't think the best people are on the field. Um, I think if you move my lot at a right tackle, um, you move Andre Dillard to left tackle, your best five are on the field without Lane Johnson. But can is it worth it? Is it worth it just as a safety net because Lane might not be able to finish a game? If it was, if they weren't playing the Giants this week, I think you'd probably explore it because I'm not the biggest, especially when you have to switch over 
Mailata to play a whole different thing. He's been doing it all season. He's been kicking his left leg back. He's been setting up that way too. And they tell him, oh yeah, go over this week and, and try to and remember all the rules, but do it for the opposite side. It, it's a lot harder than it sounds like it, 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 when we say it, when we say it. So I'm not really keen on that, but I think if it, I think if it was a, if it wasn't playing Giants, if this was a playoff game right now, we would see and they try to do the best they can to hold up that way and, and make their adjustments. But this but you know what? You know what, Chris? The beauty about my lot is he doesn't know it's difficult. He doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know you're supposed to be uncomfortable. He's like, all right, mate, I'll do it. He doesn't yeah, oh, yeah. know because he never played. And he just he did it before. And he went to the right side. And he's like, Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it I think it took a while too. Like he did he did. I think he did well. Diller did well when he filled in. I think like my lot was building up to as well. Too. Like his mentality is like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, I'll do, I'll do it. It's okay. I keep my feet all and all. It's like he'll do that stuff. But it's one of those things where it's like, you know what? It's it's, it's almost like saying like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna put you guys inside and play a quarterback right now. And you're like, oh, I can do that. It's cool. It's no problem. Ah, oh, crap. Who's <laughs> in a gap on somebody? Let's see this stuff too. Like you get in there, like you, you, the attitude's there. But when it comes to the execution part of it, that's where like it, it may take a little while before it to happen on there. But so he'll always, yeah, all those guys, no matter who. Who's on that offensive line? Who's on that team? They'll be willing to play somewhere. It's a matter of they can do it quickly and well at high level and quickly. I think he could do it at a high level. The quickness about how he could do it, it, it may it may take a quarter, it may take a half, but we've seen all it takes is a half with this team like against the Saints and you're behind. Chris, I think we can all agree there is some pressure on Eagles this week. There was a very good chance that there would be no pressure on Eagles this week two weeks ago before they played Dallas, before they played New Orleans. So we know they need to win to lock up home field throughout the playoffs and to win a division. So there's some pressure. We could debate how much pressure, but you have to acknowledge that there is some. Is there any way that you can look at this as a good thing? That had they beaten Dallas and then you got two weeks of inactivity and a bye week and guys coming back from it and you don't know what they're going to hit the field with for that first playoff game, that at least with the pressure of needing a win this week, it keeps people focused and it keeps them playing at a specific level. Or am I just trying to come up with an eagle spin ankle that makes it uh, somewhat less obnoxious that they've lost their last two games? I think is I think after if you said that after the Dallas game, yeah, okay, I could, I could see that spin being like okay, they they lost that one, they'll keep focus, and then they don't have to be all for the next two games. This week, last was pass loss. Now, nah, because we, how many times have we seen teams for the last twenty years, what have you? Like it's one of those things where you got times where you got the two weeks off, and there's still a lot of number one. I know recent history with the number one seeds hasn't been great getting to yeah, the Super last Bowl, year, but for two, yeah, it is rough. But I think at least having two weeks in before your next game, I think is a, is a big, big thing, and they don't find themselves in that position anymore. I think especially when you look at the way they lost last week, we. I think roster at top to bottom, this is a much better roster than the Saints. And you just let them just basically, especially early on, like they just out were out physical and just bullied them in a way. When you look at the way that on both sides of the ball until they finally got the stuff corrected and they went from there on out. So yeah, nah, this, I, I can't, I can't even see that spin. But after last week's win, that spin, I can't see that as well. Too. This team should be rested. We all should be like resting up going like, Hey, you know what? Here's our preseason. We're in preseason mode this yeah. week. We got the bye week, and then yeah. 
We should have been one o'clock, Chris. Now we're four twenty-five. Not the worst case scenario, but uh, I'll still take it. Yeah. As long as not eight thirty. As long as not eight thirty or eight fifteen. Um, <laughs> the offensive coaching staff—they're taking some hits uh, because of the performance um, too often this season. And let's be honest, they're still 13 and three. They're 13 and one with their starting quarterback. So it doesn't happen a lot, but there are sort of lulls where the time of possession gets out of whack um, because whatever, they don't convert their downs. They use tempo a little bit too much. Um, and all of a sudden, you have these weird skews. You had it in the first half again. I think Miles ran it twice, and everybody's losing their mind. How how could you possibly run Miles Sanders? Well, he had 15 stinking plays. I mean, uh, he's not going to run it 17 times because he had 15 plays, <laughs> so you can't give it to him too much. Plus, Miles is dealing with a knee, and he's got a brace on. Maybe that played into it. The offensive game plan, how much blame do you put there, I guess, versus how much blame do you just – say, hey, Gardner didn't have it. You know, it's funny you brought up the run game because yesterday I, had, I was thinking one or two questions to ask. And I was thinking either what happened with Gardner, looking at that one in a game. Or the other one is why is the run game not having gotten over 100 yards the last two weeks? And I think to me, as I look at that play call, even if it's not – this team, when it was really successful, the run game was humming and it set up their passing game exponentially. Like you look at that now, you don't – they have a run the game well. I know Miles is dealing with seeing his, his knee. I, his roster manager wants to know it's tough. That might have been a game where you bring up Trey Sermon because I think you look at the weakness of the Saints. You should have been running that ball. You look at the Cowboys. You should have been running the ball. I'm not saying that this. Not saying go back to the three yards that Cloud does times we used to see or last year's version of the Eagles. But I think it's one of those things where, especially with a backup quarterback in there. You control the clock. You get set up all your, your play action passes. You give him, and I think the play action gives him a little bit more separation. And we know he doesn't, Gardner's own is not as strong as Jalen. So he needs more timing. He needs the timing he needs to get in the rhythm. I thought that would have been a lot better to set him up for that. So I look at, when I look at the way that Nick and Shane, Kevin, and Petulo and everybody else set that game plan up, I thought it was, they could have done better with it. I really do. And you need, you, even with Miles banged up, you still had Kenny Game. Game will prove when he had that right side holding, not holding whoever that was called on, whatever. But they should have gone back to him. I would have seen more game. I would have seen more Boston Scott. I think Scott's a really good north south runner when it comes to that, especially when you attack a defense like the Saints. That would have been the play. So I look at the way that the I look at the lack of using the run game more, not running it more, maybe additional five, six carries earlier in the game if you have 15, but still to give you defensive rest or run some clock and just try to balance it back out a little bit. I thought that would have been a better way to do it. Chris, I could take the easy route out and say, how do you think the Eagles are going to do Sunday against the um, Giants? I'm not going there. Instead, I'll go to the other NFC East matchup. Because if the Eagles lose, they can still back into the number one overall seed, or they at least could back into the division if the Cowboys were to lose. However, the Cowboys are playing the Commanders. And Coach Ron Rivera, who, my opinion, royally screwed up last week by putting Carson Wentz in as their starting quarterback, shouldn't have happened. Uh, And I said it long before, Carson threw his three interceptions and put up his worst passer rating ever 
all those ugly games here in Philadelphia. He, he might have been the one quarterback worse than Gardner Minshew last week. He might have been the one. He might have been it, yes. Uh, and after the game, Rivera wouldn't admit his mistake and go, yeah, I can't start this guy again next week. He is not committed to either Carson Wentz or Taylor Heineke or Ed Kratz's favorite, Sam Howell, coming off the bench. Is there any chance that the Commanders can be competitive against the Cowboys on Sunday? Yeah, they make an ugly game when you make their defensive line start to really get after Dak and force them. That's the only way. They're going to need a oh, defensive focus. Hope Brian Robinson takes over that game because that's the only that's the only way to do it. I have if I'm them, Heineke gives them the best shot, and I still for life me. I don't know why they felt like they need to force speed Carson Wentz back into that offense. I I, I don't. Wow. Get that one at all. By so. the way, the worst part of that, Chris, that whole thing, Ron Rivera didn't know he could be eliminated last week. That is astonishing to me. Did uh, not know. Didn't seem to know. Yeah. And he was I, eliminated. I, think, I don't think he wanted I'll to give know. Him, I'll give him saying. a pass on that as compared to he made a decision to start Carson Wentz. Why? <laughs> Why would you go there, coach? That that that's what cost you your job, not the fact that you didn't know that you could be eliminated. We can work through that. Well, the choice of we? Carson Wentz to start is the reason that he should be. I need about attention to detail. Ooh. Yeah, I mean you're right. Bad decision, but I I if you're the head coach, you gotta know. Um, hey, we gotta win this game. And you know, his explanation was I was worried about taking care of our business. I never thought we were gonna lose, so I didn't buy. But can you imagine Nick Sirianni not knowing the implications of this week? I can't imagine that. Uh, that's that's a bad yeah. look for any NFL. Famously, coach. an Eagle coach once did go down that road. Rich Kotite had no idea that yeah. the Eagles were still alive oh, after no, a loss. He goes, "We're still in the playoffs." Yeah, no Rich idea. doesn't have the best reputation. That's one of the reasons why. Yeah. yeah, we used our ace package. We thought our guys were doing well, <laughs> and then uh, we had to do that. Nah, it's got six, six, seven, two go seven. Nah, he was just, uh, I remember. I, now, granted, I was young, but even then, I was like, this stinks. It's one of those things like it's bad, man. It's, yeah, but no, nah, I think it's one of those things where somebody went to him and was like, hey, we have this playoff. And he just put, no, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And that, that deniability trying to do that and he set himself up for that. Yeah, he's confident. Maybe. Yeah. Is rough. Yeah, they hey, but those Eagle teams never left anything in the locker room. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> All right, Chris well, Franklin, uh, uh, quickly, Eagles going to win or Eagles going to lose against the Giants on Sunday? You know, I've been picking them to win the last two weeks, and next thing you know, we see what happened. But if they if this team loses the backups, they don't deserve to go anywhere in the playoffs. So they they should win this game, or they should win this yeah. game. Good enough, brother. We expect to have you on. We know we're going to be on next week because the Eagles are going to be in the playoffs. Whether it'll be a bye week or a home week or a road week, that we don't know. We'll find out Sunday. We know we'll be talking to you next week. Thanks, brother. Thanks. I'm going to call a coach like the rest of the day now. I'm going to ask a question. Yeah, coach that was a too. nice impression. Pull that well, Thank out you. I'll talk question. to you guys. I'll talk to you all later next week. I'll see you all later. Yeah. That's 20 years of memory there. We are impressed, Chris Franklin. Thank you very much. Thanks. Chris Franklin going, from NJ.com here with us on Birds 365. Quickie timeout. We put a bow on the show. Stay right there. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. 
At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. got to go because Cohen's got to go because Ricky Saratella is coming up with his playbook. So I have just one question for you, John McMullen. Uh, Jonathan Gannon will attempt to tell you it's a happy Tuesday today. Good luck with that, coach. Um, but if there's one thing you need an answer on or clarification from either of the two coordinators, be it Gannon and or Steichen, what's the one question you need answered today? Um, well, uh it's definitely offensive and it, it probably has to do with the pick six, but I mean, we didn't get the answer from Nick. So we're certainly not going to get it from Shane. Um, but we know the answer and we know what it really was. The defense played pretty well after the first drive. I, I, I there's no issue with the defense. If you give up essentially 13 points because you know, seven was the pick six, mm-hmm. uh, you should win 
an NFL game, even with the backup quarterback when you have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders, and still four Pro Bowl-level offensive lines. So it's all offense this week. I agree. So uh, tell Shane we said hi. Uh, Good show today, buddy. We thank our uh, guests, Tommy Lawler and uh, Chris Franklin, for hopping on tomorrow. You get Mike Gill and Jeff Mosher. So we got two good guests coming your way tomorrow. Partner, I'm here tomorrow. I'm back in two and two of you. Yeah, day to day, but uh, I plan on it, as I always say, Jody. McMullen and McDonald back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.